see more innovation in packaging and processing at Pack Expo International than anywhere else in the world. It's the show that defines where the industry is headed, with the solutions that define where your business can go. Discover cutting-edge packaging technology, processing equipment, new materials, sustainable solutions, supply chain resources, and much, much more. You'll walk away with innovative solutions to challenges big and small. Register at PackExpoInternational.com. You're listening to Unpacked with PMMI, where we share the latest packaging and processing industry insights, research, and innovations to help you advance your business. Hi, I'm Sean Riley, and welcome to another edition of Unpacked with Healthcare Packaging. For as long as medication, medical instruments, and PPE have been packaged, the number one and often only concern was ensuring the sterility and safety of the product inside. The quality of life of human beings was at stake. While healthcare remains a significant contributor to, obviously, keeping people healthy, it also creates a ton of waste. So much so that pollution for the life sciences sector actually can affect ecosystems and decrease and harm people's health, creating a vicious circle. Today I talk with Karen Sukney from Healthcare Packaging Magazine about the inroads healthcare packaging has made with sustainability, the repurposing of some forms of life sciences waste, and where the industry still needs to catch up with traditional CPG-based packagers. So with all the fancy introductions out of the way, Karen, welcome back to the pod. Thanks for having me on, Sean. The pleasure is all ours. So we're talking healthcare, we're talking sustainability, and it, I actually was thinking about this before we um, came on here recently with COVID tests, COVID home tests. Um, we're obviously in the age of COVID and mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Um, no need to go into that. But with the home tests... You know, we had one in our house and and I literally remember thinking this, you know, I have a paperboard box and then I take it out and there's a plastic tray and then I take that out and there's a wrapped thing and there's a swab and that's made out of a different material. And then there's the actual solution. And I did actually think like, I can't fathom how as an industry, an industry segment, how healthcare even broaches this. So I guess to, to kind of start, like we obviously healthcare is critical. Like that's a COVID test. Like I need to to know like if I have that and this is just me this isn't obviously a hospital where this is happening dozens of times a day sure so it generates a significant amount of waste but it also you know serves a very humane purpose so I guess in that context you know how do we navigate that and like what makes it so complicated to wrap our heads around yeah that's a good question and a good place to start where we're kind of putting things in perspective um there's a good quote from a nonprofit's page, this Practice Green Health, um, that I think sums things up kind of nicely and philosophically. Um, they say the healthcare sector is both a significant contributor to the global planetary health crisis and uniquely burdened by it. So healthcare can pollute ecosystems, leading to declining health, which then leads to patients requiring healthcare. And, um, you know, kind of one of the More unfortunate facts of that is that in some cases, a lot of the frontline communities that get the worst health effects don't have easy access to healthcare. That being said, as you were talking about the COVID tests, I'll focus a little more on the material waste aspect for now. So 
there are a number of reasons that healthcare can contribute to climate change, but um, in terms of materials, hospitals are reported to produce more than 5 million tons of waste each year. But we know, as you said, there's a good and humane reason for that. Baked into those waste figures are packages and PPE that prevented infection. They delivered drugs and med devices and diagnostics safely to our family members during surgery and other procedures. And, you know, they saved lives every day. So, I mean, as you alluded to earlier, it's a really complicated web and there's just not really one silver bullet to healthcare becoming more sustainable. It's going to have to be this really multi-factor approach and it's going to require a ton of collaboration among, um, a wide variety of stakeholders and life science manufacturers. It, yeah, complicated is, doesn't even feel like a big enough word. And I say that because, again, just using one package as an example, I, you know, I'm supposed to put this all in a bag and throw it out because I don't contaminate someone, which I understand. But there's so many different things in that that are separate waste streams and right. getting back on track. You know, we, we've seen sustainability on the rise. It's not a buzzword anymore. Um, you see it in stores on packages in the consumer goods sector. How about in healthcare? Like for healthcare packaging, is it something that's on the rise? Is it new or is it something that may have been kind of laying underneath and we didn't know about it all this time? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, sustainability in healthcare packaging, it is definitely not a new concept. There's, you know, been folks like the Healthcare Plastics Recycling Council or the HPRC, um, they've been working in this arena for years. There's also, you know, sort of more general groups like Flexible Packaging Association or the Sustainable Packaging Coalition that certainly touch on these topics in healthcare, even if generally more case studies are coming from consumer packaged goods. So I think what's new is, is the push and the more widespread acceptance that Healthcare packaging operations need to adopt more circular and sustainable methods. And these are often in alignment with the UN Sustainable Development Goals. Um, these can be in, you know, materials, energy and water usage, greener buildings or manufacturing processes um, and other facets. So sustainability is definitely more than solely recycling. There are so many ways to, to you know, make these changes. And so I think that, you know, while it's not new, we're definitely seeing more motivation here. So both in, in terms of regulatory, in terms of the financial sector, and also just from employees and consumers themselves. You know, I think that in the past, it was kind of just, well, it's healthcare, you know, I need, I need this medicine, I need to perform this procedure. And obviously, patient safety is critical. But I think we're just seeing this really big push from consumers who are taking, you know, second and third looks at everything they're putting in their bodies and, and how those products are getting to them. So, and there's also guidance from health systems um, and organizations on selecting products from life science manufacturers who are making sustainable choices. So we've mentioned over healthcare packaging, um, Kaiser's environmentally preferable purchasing or EPP initiative and practice green health sustainable procurement guide for health systems. So in this case, it basically means that manufacturers who are, are making sustainable choices can be seen as having a competitive advantage for purchasing decisions because this is what, you know, their end users are basically being guided toward. Okay. So I, I, that, there was questions popping up in my head that you answered before I had a chance to ask them. The one that does pop up is, is kind of the obvious one with healthcare things is, you know, what about the regulatory or regulatory aspect of it? You know, life sciences are 
it's so highly regulated to begin with, obviously. Um, everything has to be sterile. Everything has to. Mm -hmm. So to change from these standards and to change these packages and these machines that everyone has agreed and, and come to agree that these are the things that work the best and these are the safest and this is the way we're going to do it to make sure everything works, you know, it's much harder to, to mess with than it is to, you know, change the package on a toy or change the package on something in a store. So I guess, how do we navigate that part? Yeah. And in regulatory, it could probably, you know, be its own whole podcast, <laughs> but I'll try to kind of. God, what an exciting podcast it would be. <laughs> Woo. Yes. <laughs> um, so healthcare has, you know, largely been left out of some of the more common um, themes such as extended producer responsibility in single use plastic bans, the way that we've seen on some takeout containers, especially in Europe. Um, but I recently covered a talk from DuPont's Terry Wagner, and the story is called Emerging EU Sustainability Regulations. For any listeners who want to check that out, and um, I'll also link to it in the notes. Uh, two things kind of stick out there. So the European Green Deal aims at reducing the net emissions of greenhouse gases to zero. So this is seeking to make Europe the first climate neutral continent by 2050. And it features the Circular Economy Action Plan, or CEAP, which includes substantiating grain claims made by companies and also tackling packaging and waste. And the next thing is the European Packaging and Packaging Waste Directive, or PPWD, which was reinforced in 2018 with new recycling targets for 2025. Now, I think the thing that kind of sticks out that I'd really like to point out is that healthcare manufacturers do have some leeway. So regulators understand, you know, as you were saying, the need for patient safety and long validation time. It's a bit nerve wracking to think about regulators outside of the healthcare packaging community creating laws that could affect, you know, a validated medical package and patient safety. So um, it's good that they're open to offering some leeway. So in the PPWD, there's a clear rule that allows regulators to make implementing decisions. So, you know, if they say that there's a certain ban or rule regarding takeout packaging, it, you know, it's not that same rule wouldn't necessarily apply to medical and pharma packaging. So EU regulators are, are being a little more pragmatic and they're open to listening to experts. Yeah, but we're seeing regulations coming down the pipeline um, that involve integrating post-consumer right. recycled content or PCR. Um, into packaging. And, you know, this is something I'm sure has been on the podcast before that you're seeing on the consumer side, like in personal care and cannabis and more. And so PCR content coming from mechanical recycling isn't used in food or medical packaging, but there's definitely promise in recycled content coming from advanced recycling. And that may one day be used even in these highly regulated applications. I, I think Amcor, they recently launched one of the first food packages containing advanced recycling recycled content, and that material is used in a chocolate flow wrap application. But we're a ways off from integrating PCR into life science packaging, you know, even if there are some regulations coming for other forms of packaging. So definitely we're going to need technologies to mature as well as traceability of the materials due to um, EU and FDA regulations for controlling risks. But there is some good news. Wagner pointed out that medical packaging can be a great source of recycled content. So even if we're not using these materials to um, go into life science packages, life science packages that have been used and are now discarded, these are composed of really high quality polymers. So I think it's going to be really important in the next few years for um, the community to work with stakeholders, you know, including like 
sorters and recyclers to figure out the logistics of contributing that discarded healthcare packaging material to be repurposed into other forms of packaging. Interesting. So that makes sense from a, we're going to, you know, take all this, we're going to remake it into, for lack of a better word, it's not virgin, obviously, but you know, different resin and smash it all back together into something really solid versus, you know, making up new plastic. So I got that part. That's going to involve a whole bunch of collaboration. Um, (laughs) Obviously collaboration is kind of a big thing that we talk about at PMMI all the time. So companies don't want to do this by themselves. You know, the supplier wants to be involved with the end user, ultimately the retailer and the consumers, which is a little bit different in healthcare, but you know, same idea that we're following through. So what are some of the initiatives that healthcare manufacturers could either kind of follow or duplicate that maybe CPGs are doing or things that they've come up with on their own that healthcare manufacturers and OEMs can can collaborate on together? Um, so there's the HPRC, which I mentioned earlier. Um, they you know do ongoing work in this arena. Something kind of new and exciting. I just interviewed um, Bears Daniela Foster and We talked about the new Global Self-Care Federation, and so this is a collaborative effort in the self-care industry, and they recently launched the Charter for Environmentally Sustainable Self-Care, and to quote them, um, the first industry-wide climate action resolution issued by the consumer health sector, and basically it seeks to minimize environmental impacts without compromising healthcare outcomes and safety. And this includes partners such as Johnson & Johnson, Bear, GSK, and Sanofi. So I think, you know, things like this, it's kind of a case of, of a rising tide lifting all boats. I, I remember in Pat Reynolds' story on Colgate's recyclable toothpaste tubes, he noted that Colgate is sharing its technology with anyone who wants to use it. And um, Colgate's Greg Cora said, if our tube is going to be recycled, it's going to be because all tubes are recyclable. And so I think that quote really kind of just stuck out to me because it highlights that meaningful sustainable changes tend to be across the board sustainable changes. And then there's a few others that I'll note. I just want to say that you know, <laughs> this is not an exhaustive list. There are so many alliances and collaborative efforts to you know tackle various facets of sustainability. But there's the Alliance to Zero, which was founded to achieve net zero emissions across the pharma supply chain. Um, that I believe Schreiner Metafarm is one of the um, founding members of. Uh, there's also the Alliance to Modernize Prescribing Information. And this is to reduce prescribing label waste used by physicians and pharmacists. That's not um, consumer-facing information. Also, the Kilmer Innovations in Packaging, or KIP Group, is they're seeking to foster bold innovation in med device packaging. And one of their core subgroups is dedicated to improving sustainability. And then, you know, as as the vaccine effort is highlighted, certainly we do need innovation in, in vials and glass. So Glass Futures, this is a UK-based nonprofit that's researching the production of more sustainable glass. And yeah, but like I said, uh, this is certainly not an exhaustive list. And um, end users are getting in on the effort to, you know, Bear has made a commitment to improving access to medicine. So they're recognizing that those frontline communities hit hardest by climate change are kind right. of double hit. So they're hit by climate change, but often don't have access to needed medications and health products. So they have initiatives to improve access. So we're seeing a lot of a lot of collaboration. And um, this is something that we'll continue to cover at healthcare packaging, because it's just ongoing. It's such a massive problem and (laughs) so many facets. (laughs) Absolutely. 
Yeah, there's so many different pieces, and 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 we know it's it's complicated. And I guess one thing I'm thinking of, but it, I just don't know if it would play out here, is um, reusable packaging. And I know that we we hit on reusable packaging a lot from the consumer goods standpoint. You know, packaging world has covered loop a ton. We've had them on the pod or they're on our different videos and stuff like that that we've produced for um, PMMI Media Group. Is there anywhere that reusable packaging can fit? in the healthcare sector? Yeah, definitely. You know, obviously, perhaps not so much in terms of primary packaging, but in in transport packaging, there's like a couple organizations I'd like to highlight. So there's the Reasonable Packaging Association, which, you know, they cover many industries, uh, healthcare being one of them with the goal of boosting reusable transport packaging. And I know that they'll have a booth at Pack Expo East coming up soon in the reusable packaging pavilion in Philadelphia. And that will be March 21st through the 23rd. Nice plug. I like it. Yeah. If anyone is, is going to be out there and looking at bolstering reusables in their organization, go ahead and visit in Philadelphia in March. There's also ISSA's Pharma Committee. So this is a collaborative group of end users, suppliers, and service providers. And Basically, they're working together on industry standardization for reusables in specifically temperature control life science products. So, you know, there's a lot of really unique parameters that need to be met in that arena. And um, so they're they're working on, you know, making things easier for for companies big and small. And I mean, the technologies in reusables have have really come far. And so. While sometimes per unit costs may be higher for certain, you know, sustainable transport packaging, it's definitely easier to pitch to your organization if you can improve performance in your shipping lanes and, you know, reduce product damage, packaging waste, and, you know, the, the major costs associated with those. Okay, so so it's possible. Do we have, are there any recent examples or examples of, you know, some of the big wigs getting involved in this reusable packaging? Uh, there are definitely many, but I think kind of one of the higher profile cases out there uh, was uh, Cardinal Health when they switched to plant-based reusable phase change materials, which um, for folks not familiar, kind of the cooling packs inside of a shipper, they actually found more uniform cooling. And in that same project, reusable shippers actually improved freight utilization. So they had the ability to commingle refrigerated and controlled room temperature or CRT products on the same truck. And so, you know, they ultimately reduced product damage and solid waste and improved freight utilization, which saved millions of dollars. That is kind of one of the really high profile um, cases, but there are many out there. So, you know, reusables have so many benefits and and there are definitely a lot of great case studies. I just want to note that (laughs) to avoid painting an overly rosy picture, um, the industry is definitely still figuring out returns logistics. So getting your customer to send those materials back, it it can be tough, especially when, you know, your customers are in healthcare and they're insanely busy delivering life-saving products and procedures. And so I know that some companies have found success with including return labels or easy instructions and pictograms to make sure that that getting those reusables back to the owner is is as easy as possible. And that's something also that the ISTA Pharma Committee is working on in terms of, you know, what are sort of the the standards and rules on on refurbishment and, you know, how many how many defects is is too many. And so, you know, there's there's just so many things to think about, but there's definitely value there. And uh we know that hospital staff, you know, including central supply and pharmacists alike have 
you know, express frustration at, at shipping and secondary packaging waste that kind of tends to pile up at the dock or just inside. So, you know, definitely the push is there. And you think ultimately the more reusable packaging adoption there is, just the more routine it's going to become for customers to send packaging and components back. You know, it's, it's just like in states that that charge for bags at grocery stores, you know, consumer behavior and adoption of reusables, it just becomes the new normal. And so maybe we're not at that new normal point right now, but, you know, I think we will be just, in a, it's just a matter of time. So it's possible. Yeah. And that's obviously something we want to hear. And that's great to hear beyond obviously sustainability is more than just recycling. But are there materials that are recyclable or more recyclable that are able to be used in healthcare packaging and life sciences packaging? Yeah, there definitely are. And I think last year, kind of the past couple of years, I'd say, have shown some significant progress. So moving away from these, the vinyl last year, we saw launches of recycle ready blister packages um, from Amcor and Klockner Pentaplast. Um, and these are for pharmaceuticals. Um, also, Syntagon and Hudamaki, they partnered on a paper blister that can be printed on both sides, and the base and lidding are both recyclable um, in that system as well. Let's see, Also, EmaSafe has developed a flexible system for packaging a range of, of parenteral products and also med devices on paper trays inside cartons. So this is a 100% paper-based packaging with reportedly relatively low energy requirements. You know, this is like, <laughs> like I say, with everything, definitely not an exhaustive list, right. um, but also Neopat polyfoil MMB uh, mono material barrier tube was granted recyclase approval. So this is a metallized polypropylene barrier and it's compliant for pharma, dental, cosmetic and food applications. Um, I'm also seeing what you're saying is, is that it's it is happening and it is possible. It's not. Yeah, it's it, there's also a focus on the inks being chosen because, you know, you can create this this recyclable blister or container. But if you are not using inks compatible with recycling, um, this can really impact how recyclable um, that package actually is in practice. And um, I guess a little more in terms of recycling news, I know that DuPont had an example where they upgraded their mechanical recycling processes for internal recycling of pre-consumer waste. So not PCR, but, you know, internally. And so some of these recycled materials go into non-healthcare applications, but they also use recycled Tyvek for the manufacture of plastic cores to bind the Tyvek sheet material in production. So um, definitely companies are looking at ways to, you know, cut down on waste and scrap. And another thing I wanted to point out is on the advanced recycling front. So some big news out of France, Eastman plans to invest up to a billion dollars and in a material to material molecular recycling facility in France. So um, this is using the company's polyester renewal technology for typically hard to recycle plastic waste that's currently being incinerated. And so kind of as you touched on before, the plan is to create this like virgin quality material with a significantly lower carbon footprint. And they have some pretty big players. P&G is one of the companies that's signing a letter of intent for a multi-year supply agreement because, you know, you can't just create the supply. There has to be the demand. And so it's good that these bigger companies are making these um, commitments. 
So I can't see how, but I'll throw it out there. Is there any way that we that they're able to use? We we talk a lot about like the plant based unpackaging and you know corn based materials and stuff like that. Is there any way that can you know infiltrate its way into healthcare packaging? Uh, yes, yes, there is. So um, huh. <laughs> I'm glad you asked. I didn't. I just assumed no, but okay. <laughs> so companies are definitely trying to choose more renewable source materials and trim out fossil fuel derivatives when it's safe to do so. And so one example of that is um, Life Made's Biofex plant-based shippers that these are made from PLA derived from corn and sugar beets. So corn does have its role to play in transporting pharmaceutical vials. Uh, so these replace EPS shippers and they offer similar performance and temperature control and just something that you know, when you're evaluating a sustainable or potentially sustainable um, upgrade to your packaging, it's also good to look upstream at, you know, what's going on in their production. So in this case, um, these plant-based shippers actually require up to 50% less energy in their production and up to 80, 81% less water. And they also cut some greenhouse gas potential. So it's kind of like in some cases, you know, we tend to look at the end of life and say, is it recyclable or not? But there's actually a lot of sustainability potential that can be baked into some of these offerings. And so it's good to look at, you know, how they're produced. Yeah, because that's that's kind of what I was going to I was going to jump in and ask was we have hit on all these or hit on some of these um, you know, materials and recyclability and things like that. But earlier you did mention, you know, some non-packaging ways of obviously, you know, cutting the carbon footprint. So how about in operations? Is there, what are ways that they can be, um, life sciences can be more sustainable in their operations? Yeah. So in the plant, we see a lot of packaging suppliers that are making commitments. Like there's Rondo Pack. They've made investment in solar power generation and um, contract development and manufacturing organization better. Um, they rely on in-house cogen units and solar panels, geothermal energy, among others. So this is certainly not an exhaustive list. They've seen a lot of packaging suppliers coming out with commitments and solar initiatives lately. It's just good to see that suppliers like Technopack and DuPont and Klockner are, you know, they're also collaborating with recycling companies and sorters. So like we, you know, discussed a bit earlier, it's just you can design the most recyclable packaging in the world. And if it ends up in the landfill, well, you know, all that design and all that care kind of was a waste. So we really need that infrastructure and sorting and logistics to make sure that, you know, these really thoughtfully designed packages end up where they can be repurposed properly. You know, sometimes the really sustainable thing is engineering out waste from the start. So right-sizing packages and cutting waste from production are certainly not new topics, but there's a couple things I wanted to highlight. Um, Westfall Technic has a method for injection micromolding, and that cuts 90% of scrap um, in the molding of these really small plastic components for med devices. On the end user side, uh, GSK updated their HDPE Advil bottles, and that cuts the source material without impacting recyclability. So these bottles have already hit shelves, and um, they're accomplishing this by adding a nucleating agent into the resin, um, and that allows them to reduce the quantity of plastic to make the bottles in the first place while maintaining the same protective barrier qualities. So, you know, as I said, cutting waste and defects and scrap, that's that's just been a very long-held goal in production in general, certainly something new, but it's definitely something that we'll continue to see more of. And it's, you know, kind of exciting to see that companies are getting more creative about internal processes for reducing waste and really bolstering reuse. 
Yeah, and I you kind of touched on it, but it is it, it's basically we kind of have to stop kicking the can down the road where we're we're relying on the next person down the supply chain to take care of this. And as you said, it's much better to kind of build that sustainable stuff in earlier mm-hmm. in the operations and the manufacturing part rather than expecting you know, maybe the end user, whether it's in a hospital or a person buying something that's disposing of it, all that can go to waste if they don't properly dispose of it. So that is a, that's an interesting way of looking at it. Well, we've talked a ton and I've, I've taken a ton of your time. So before we, we kind of wrap something up, I guess, if, is there any parting words or anything that you want to kind of use to put a button on this healthcare sustainability talk? Yeah, I mean, you know, I it's always good to put things into perspective. I don't know if everyone out there has read Being the Change by climate scientist Peter Kalamis, but he says that, you know, climate change is perhaps first and foremost the failure of humanity's collective imagination. And as such, it doesn't fit neatly inside any single box or discipline. And, you know, one, one big takeaway from that book is that the answers aren't always going to be obvious and it's going to require so much, you know, as we talked about collaboration, um, but as dire as, you know, sometimes the news can be, these are opportunities to get creative, you know, and I'm sure that there will be, you know, some missteps and perhaps unintended consequences, you know, like, I mean, even the plastic bag was kind of was developed to save the earth's forests initially, but yeah, I mean, exactly. <laughs> human creativity is just, it's just such an amazing thing. And, you know, couple that with, you know, the computer modeling we have, and we just need to channel that creativity towards, you know, conserving resources on a systemic scale. And I say that if anybody is just kind of like looking for some extra inspiration, asknature.org, you know, you go there and there are these biomimicry case studies and you can just see that as there's such cool things, but, you know, you realize that we've really scratched the surface um, of implementing solutions that nature offers us basically. And so as an industry, we need to question existing methods and just be really curious and, and open to change. And so we're always covering case studies at healthcare packaging. And I'm just really excited for some stories that we have in the works that'll be coming out, you know, over the next year. And as I mentioned before, Pack Expo East is coming up soon, and that is a great place to see what's new and also kind of, you know, talk with suppliers and peers about the challenges that you're having. So um, I would definitely say to check that out. It's in Philadelphia. Couldn't have said it better myself. You put a nice little little bow on the end of it right there to make sure that we got the uh, the, the Pack Expo East plug in. But no, to, to be serious, that is an obvious opportunity for people that are looking for ways. It's not... Um, always going to be the most cost effective, but you're going to find ways eventually that are going to pay off in the long run. And mm-hmm. just looking at the upfront cost isn't going to be something that's necessarily going to um, right. to be the, the, the complete answer, I guess, to the riddle. So with that, I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to come on here, Karen. Um, I'm sure we will have you on again. And thanks again. Thanks, Sean. It's been awesome. Please rate, review, and subscribe. To do that, go to the iTunes podcast or Spotify app on your phone and search for Unpacked with PMMI.